Hello and welcome everyone to episode 77 of the App EVs podcast. I'm your host, Chris Rogers, and this week's episode will focus on the Aptera news for the period between August 28th and September 3rd, 2022, which will be about some new milestones by Aptera. Hello, everyone. I hope that you all had a great week. This particular most recent week, you know, we're really getting to the end stage of, I guess, a slow period of news where we're waiting for the eventual full reveal of the Gamma prototype of Aptera. There's going to be the big show, the fully charged live in San Diego, where there's going to be some information shared about the Gamma prototype and Aptera's roadmap going forward, presumably, as well as the full reveal of the Gamma prototype. We've already had the interior the inside story of gamma there was a story on the website as well as a video featuring aptera's uh, chief of design and we also had that that quick little teaser video with people getting inside the prototype and you could see it and we've got the images and so now we're, we're just waiting for what will be this saturday september 10th when we're going to see what you know for more details about the gamma prototype so this week's episode it's going to be actually shorter than usual because you know, there's going to be a much longer, I imagine, more detailed episode when everyone gets a chance to react to what the Gamma, the most recent development, looks like of the vehicle. So starting with the first news story of the week that I wanted to touch on, something that I missed when this happened, but Aptera tweeted about it um, just, I guess, a, a couple of days ago, and I tried to find information on this, and you know, I've I saw some statements about that, but I couldn't find anything from Tesla directly. But Aptera, they're you know they have their ongoing signature campaign regarding the supercharging or the the charging standard in the United States, which they're advocating that it switch to the Tesla plug. The reasoning being that it's a much smaller, much more convenient plug, that it's more versatile, and that it does both AC DC charging, and that it's a lower cost overall. And what they tweeted about was that apparently. And again, I'm, I'm trying to find this. Tesla has announced their plans to launch the supercharger subscriptions, which would allow non-Tesla owners to use their charging network. If that is indeed true, this would again strengthen, I guess, Aptera's argument for switching to the full Tesla charging standard, since Tesla has the largest supercharging or high-speed charging network in the United States. It would certainly be advantageous to all electric vehicle owners if they could access what is at the moment the the highest quality best maintained electric vehicle charging network that is also the high a high speed charging network and that is across the entire country uh, for aptera owners if this actually is going to happen that would be i think i've said this before that would be great news you know there I, I think the for me one of the biggest thing and the best things about the tesla charging network apart from the coverage map that it has in the United States and the fact that it's high speed is that the ownership issue in terms of maintenance of the chargers themselves, it's very clear with the Tesla superchargers. And I think that's a large part of the reason why they both cost less to install and they're generally in better condition than charging chargers that are operated by other companies. When something is wrong with a Tesla supercharger, you know exactly who to go to, exactly who to blame. And the company themselves, you know, there's money that's coming out of their pocket. And so they have an incentive to work on it. 
And so the improved quality and charging experience for all electric vehicle owners would likely go up significantly if this is available and this is an option. And the question would be, well, what would that that subscription price actually be? Um, would it be valuable for Aptera owners because the batteries on our vehicles will be smaller than those of most conventional electric vehicles? And because you know that means that they will actually get charged faster and with the solar charging capacity, that means that Aptera's will use them less you know the idea of a subscription to the Tesla supercharging network. That's a really that's a an interesting question because for me that uh, subscription presumes that it would only be worth it, assuming you're going to be using it above a certain rate. And if Aptera owners, if, if we're not going to be charging our vehicles that often, you know, does it really make sense to sign up for a potentially high subscription fee um, for something that you're just not going to be using that often? In any case. This will be something to monitor going forward. It's potentially some really great news for all electric vehicle owners, but you know, particularly for a, a vehicle like Aptera, which is going to be one of the best road tripping electric vehicles in existence, if not ever, especially when you talk about the 600 mile and the 1000 mile variant versions, you know, that supercharging network, that will be huge. The next news story of the week, and in fact, the main news story of the week, focusing on some key milestones, came out of Aptera's announcement that they're opening another investment round, this time at $10.50 a share. In the announcement of the new funding round, they included the following updated production goals. They stated that in the last three months, we've been hard at work on our Gamma vehicle, the third stage of our fourth stage development roadmap. Now that we've moved into the final assembly location, in Carlsbad, California, the next six months will be focused on supply chain and manufacturing build out with the goal of ramping to full vehicle, full scale production in 2023. As of today, we've received over 30,000 reservations representing over $1 billion in total pre-order value. Strategic agreements with Red Viking, Alafe, and Yazaki are just a few of the supply side agreements we've cemented to bring us closer and closer to a commercial launch. First. In just a quick recap, the third stage of development is going to be revealed just this Saturday. Um, and the fourth stage, that's the Gamma prototype, the fourth stage will be the Delta production intent vehicle. It's been stated in the past that there's going to be much smaller differences between the Gamma and the Delta prototype and that the final stages of the vehicle, they'll kind of be more blending together. You can contrast that with when they first revealed the vehicle those were the they first started with the noir alpha prototype and then they went on to soul also an alpha prototype and luna and they wanted to make them look as nice as possible so that every customer could anticipate well what is really the ultimate vision of the aptair of the vehicle what's it going to look like they wanted the in the main colorways with the interior design and so that everyone can see it, even knowing that those vehicles were still early stage and there were a lot of improvements, that was the alpha. But the beta production type was based on a whole host of design and quality of life improvements that were needed for the vehicle in terms of interior space, in terms of egress and ingress, the aerodynamics, the coefficient of drag of the vehicle, and a host of improvements that I imagine will be focused on improving the manufacturability 
of the vehicle. And so the leap from alpha to beta, alpha just being, all right, this is what it looks like. This is what it would be like on the road. This is how you can envision what it would be like to be in one and, and to have vehicles that they can take to different shows and show to people. That was largely for show, but the beta prototype, that is the more real version of what was going on. And then the gamma is really you know combining lessons learned from alpha to beta and again, it's another significant leap from where they started. Whereas going from gamma to delta, that's just not the same kind of scale of development. And what I'm figuring is that the gamma prototype will essentially be the production version of the vehicle. And barring discovery of some significant design flaw or regulatory failing, what we see on Saturday, that's basically what people are going should expect to drive around in in 2023 and i guess potentially a couple of people at the end of this year now, for example just in terms of the kind of design changes that might shift i saw a recent video of people uh, getting into the lunar prototype and they were opening and closing the door on the on the alpha prototype this lunar model of the vehicle and i hadn't seen this before but the doors were actually brushing against the front wheel pants when the door was opened and closed. This meant that when the person was trying to close the door, it actually got stuck and someone had to hold the wheel pants in a way so that they could kind of squeeze it through. And you know, you can see in photos of the beta prototype or I guess the you know the the new version what we're anticipating for gamma, you can see in the updated photos and renderings of the vehicle that they've moved the door slightly towards the rear a little bit and they also rounded the corner of the wheel pants and that will provide more room for the opening and closing of doors and this is just the type of thing that i imagine when they were designing the vehicle and they're 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 working in i don't know whatever design software that they have and they're looking at the aerodynamics the fact that the doors didn't quite have enough space to open and close when they went to actually build it. I imagine that's the kind of thing that was a little difficult to discover until they're actually sitting in the vehicle. Then it actually could be the case that with the Noir and Soul prototypes, that there was actually maybe just enough room for the door to open and close, but in the variance in terms of the molds of the vehicle when they went to the Luna prototype, there was it was just maybe a bit too small in some area, and that's where you ended up in the area or the issue. And so that's the type of thing where I imagine they discovered, they're like, well, you know, if we're going to be making thousands of these, we need to make sure that we've ironed out any issues that could result in parts rubbing against each other that shouldn't rub against each other. And, and these sort of just obvious problems that that are just that look like, you know, bad design or, or oversight. But it, it's exactly the type of thing that you would expect to happen in an early stage prototype of a vehicle. Moving on to the announcement, I've really kind of buried the lead here because the biggest news for me in this announcement of the new investment round is that Aptera is now at over 30,000 reservations for their vehicle. For those who are scoring at home three weeks ago, that was in episode 74, I shared that Aptera had revealed that they were up to 27,000 pre-orders. And I'm not sure what happened that the reservation rate jumped up to around a thousand new reser or pre-orders per week, but I like it. Uh, in fact, since the June webinar, when they announced live that they had crossed the 25,000 pre-order threshold, 
they've added 5,000 new customers or new pre-orders to the list. I, I'm curious if those customers or how many of those, you know, since then, since the June webinar, they added the fleet vehicle section on their website. And so I'm curious actually if some of these are bulk pre-orders or if these are all mostly overwhelmingly individual consumers like myself. I suspect that this trend is something that is likely to continue um, as Aptera gets closer and closer to launch. And the more they reveal of the production intent versions of the vehicle, I'm just suspecting that the rate of reservations, it's going to continue to increase and accelerate over time, especially, you know, when you look at the current vehicle market and not just for electric vehicles, this is for all vehicles, at least in the United States, the prices have been skyrocketing. Whereas as far as we know, the price of the Aptera variants, it has remained the same since they did that original launch video in December 2019. And as Aptera mentions, this is over $1 billion in potential pre-order sales numbers, which is just incredible to think about going back to that initial reveal. The important caveat there, obviously, is that pre-orders do not equal actual sales. It's, you know, a, a promise to buy is not actually mean a firm payment. They don't, they don't have that money in their coffers yet. But if they're able to convert even half of those current number of pre-orders, that's going to be a massive success for them. And that's that's a half of those pre-orders right now. Um, you know, this is not even counting the more pre-orders that are going to come as the vehicle gets closer to production. And I've said this in the past, but I think there are going to be big jumps in terms of the number of pre-orders after they've done two things. One is the completion of safety testing, and two is the whatever the range verification that will need to occur before the vehicle goes into the final production intent mode. Once Aptera can make statements, firm statements, they can put it on their website, they can say this, they can put in their marketing materials along the lines of, quote, you know, our, our safety cell design will protect passengers better from all collisions than non-composite vehicles or vehicles that have not been designed with this, this specific safety cell. When they can start saying, you know, right now they, they keep repeating the statement that the roof crush strength of the vehicle was the highest of any vehicle tested ever. But when they can start putting some, some real hard facts of, you know, based off of the, based off our crash testing, we're estimating an you know X star rating by the the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. That's going to allow them to loudly state that yes, just you you're looking at this vehicle and you think that it's small, it's three wheels, and you think that it's all it's odd looking and it's going to be dangerous in a death trap. But actually, the vehicles that you're driving around right now, those are the ones that are dangerous. You know they're going to be able to flip that narrative. Similarly. When they can say things like, you know, the, the EPA and the WLPT system have verified our 250, 400, 600, 1,000 mile range estimates, you know, once they can say that, you know, they're going to blast that everywhere. And also it's going to make coverage increase dramatically. This will make it a more real vehicle to a lot of people. And it's easy to forget if you're someone who follows electric vehicles and clean transportation but there's only a tiny amount of people who've even heard of Aptera. You know, websites like Electrek and Clean Technica, those are great for people who, you know, who, who are interested in this topic. But for other people, they need something more mainstream. And those mainstream publications, you know, they're not caring. They're not going to cover 
a prototype that may or may not exist. But, you know, when they can sit there, you can rubber stamp a government approval of these range estimate and these safety estimates. And that at that price, that's that's when that's when that terror is just going to really, I think, take off. In short, congratulations to the Aptera team on crossing that 30,000 threshold and and the, the opening of the new investment round. Your full disclosure on the investment piece, I did invest in Aptera's early round. And so I guess I, I guess there's I should mention that for folks who are listening to this podcast. I think that was back when it was four dollars and 40 cents a share. Um, uh, but I, I think the other important point to state is that this podcast is it's not intended to be investment advice so if you are interested in Aptera's mission you know do with your money what you will but you know what I'm saying on this podcast this is not actual investment advice um, I believe in the company so you know I'm, I'm interested to see where that where that where that goes and and I mean actually in all honesty you know until the company goes public those shares and investment that I've done I'm hoping that it's going to help them get to production, but it's yeah, at this point it's really just a I guess in my mind a, a vote of good faith rather than it is you know an investment in the the actual official sense. But you know hopefully they're able to get the the strong response to the funding that they're hoping uh, to to get. You know there is the there was the announcement of the grant they got from the California Energy Commission, um, which I think they're supposed to have a private match. Um, in order to get that full amount. So maybe this is part of that, or maybe this is just additional funding. But congratulations again on the 30,000, and you know, good luck on this next funding round. And that concludes episode 77 of the App EVs podcast. I hope you found this episode interesting. If you really enjoyed the podcast, Please tell a friend so that we can continue to grow the Aptera movement. I also include my referral link in the show notes, which you can use for $30 off your $100 refundable deposit for an Aptera. The AppDVs podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, etc., etc. If you have any questions or feedback, including corrections, please send those to aptevspodcast at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at apt underscore EVs podcast. Thank you to OS50 for the song Movies, and in the words of Jeff Kanata, think about what you put out into the world, make it a better place. Mm-hmm.